Um, we're going to start off worship this morning with a new song that we learned last week. Um, so would you stand with us as we sing this morning?
Good morning. This morning as we come to our prayer time, we want to let you get to see the deacons that are serving. And we have new deacons, of course, this year, and some of them you may not know, so we wanted to introduce our new deacons. Those of you that see these folks greeting as you come in to whatever service you know now, they're actually deacons. They're not just folks standing there at the door. And so our deacons also visit our homebound, take care of those in need. And so some of you that are watching online might recognize your deacon up here, or you might see the person who's going to be in touch with you this year as your new deacon. And we have, today we have... Uh, Let's see here, all of our new deacons, let's see here, most of them up here, let's see, Miss Lease is not up here this morning, but she is a new deacon as well. Miss Marcella is serving this year, Miss Beverly Sturm is serving this year, Miss Miss Karen is serving, and Miss Jennifer Jenkins and Miss Marcia are our new deacons serving this year. All the rest of them you saw last year, and so... I want you to be, those of you that may not have them visiting with you, in contact with you, I want you to be praying for them. I started with Marcella. They're not paying attention to me up here. They'll listen to you, though. And so um, I want you to be praying for them because as they serve they need your prayers, and if you need to speak with them, they're more than happy to help serve and encourage you, so don't think if they're not your deacon, you can't just get hold of them and tell them what's going on. They'll be happy to help out, and so I encourage you, pray for them, encourage them, and get to know them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray for our deacons. Heavenly Father, we thank you for men and women who are willing to serve in your congregation, who are willing to care for us when we are in need, who are willing to watch over and serve those, Heavenly Father, who need serving. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would be with each of our deacons as they serve in this congregation and this community. I pray you watch over them, give them wisdom, I pray you watch over their households, O oh Lord, and care for them. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would use them in a mighty way in the lives of those that they touch. I thank you that they're willing to be here in the mornings and greet and help people get where they are going. And I pray, O oh Lord, that as they greet and meet new people, you would just use them in their lives to draw them nearer to you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you provide for each of the needs, not only of the deacons, but for those that they will be serving over this next year. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us people to serve in our midst. 
And we ask, Lord, that you would use us for your glory and your honor. And this we ask in your name and your will be done. Amen. Thank you all. Now let's all stand together and we're going to sing, Lead Me to the Cross.
We're going to share in a time of communion now. If you did not pick up a cup when you came in, if you just kind of raise your hand, one of our deacons will get one of those to you. But uh, as we reflect on what Virginia just shared with us, as we think about our identity in a world that wants to define us in so many ways, we, we come back to the Lord's table and remind ourselves that our identity is in the cross of Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for a time that we can gather and remind ourselves of who we are and who we are created in your image, loved by you, that we are defined by who you are and that you've invited us into relationship through your work on the cross. Lord, we thank you for the way that that gives us an identity that is forever secured and an identity that gives us meaning and purpose today. And Lord, we're mindful that we often fall into the trap of letting other identities define us. And so, Lord, we ask your forgiveness. Sometimes those other identities appear to be good, appear to be right, but they are less than what you've called us to. And so thank you for reminding us to come to your table and find again our identity in you and in your cross. And Lord, we also confess that in so many ways we are individuals without a sense of belonging in this world or responsibility to this world. And you call us not as individuals, but you call us as your body to come and to remember what you've done for us. And so, Lord, we, we come as a body of Christ today. Those that are in this room, those who uh, join us uh, through technology, those who will participate in other services and in other locations, those who will be served by our deacons. We thank you that we make up your body and that we are called into that great body of Christ. Lord, we're also mindful that we do this as public witness to the world around us and that when your early disciples shared in that first communion and remembered it many times after that, they then went out and changed the world with the love and the grace of your gospel. And so we understand our commitment to fulfill your kingdom work and the folks that we know and love and relate with. And so, Lord, we come to your table. We thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. And we thank you for the privilege of taking up our cross and following you.
In your name we pray. Amen. You'll open up the wafer side of your cup. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. Amen. You'll now open the cup side. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. Whenever you eat this bread and whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for who you are and the privilege of being your disciples. In your name we pray. Amen. Our deacons are going to come by now and pick up the cups. Let me tell you about something we're going to do next week that we're going to do throughout this year. Uh, we're going to have Rob Fox back with us next week. Uh, some of you know Rob. He grew up in Culpeper, worked at Culpeper Baptist as our uh, youth director for a few years and has gone into vocational ministry. And so throughout this year, we are sending the invites out and inviting some of our alums that have gone to be ministers and missionaries uh, to come back and share with us on a Sunday. Rob will be our first one back. He'll be here next Sunday. He's just going to share a brief testimony and, and lead us in prayer. But I hope one of the things you see as we bring these folks back all year long is too many of them are my age, right? And that's a great thing that we had a great calling uh, time in the life of our church. But one of the other reasons I want to bring these folks back is to kind of make sure we're all confronted with the reality that God might call us to a vocational ministry. And so you're going to hear a bunch of different stories throughout the year of, of folks that have grown up through this church or were in this church and then went into ministry. And uh, I'm looking forward to having Rob back um, next week. We're continuing on a series through Luke's gospel today and uh, Jesus for everyone. And we're going we're gonna to take a look at one of the harder passages of Luke today, Luke chapter 14, uh, beginning with verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down, estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? 
For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. In the 14th chapter of Luke, Luke is trying to communicate how are we saved, how are we part of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is God's action towards us through grace. And Luke wants us to experience it, and he also wants us to understand what faith is. And so throughout chapter 14, he gives us some, some key indicators. Verse 26, he says, faith is loving Jesus more than any other person. Verse 27, faith is following Jesus rather than any other way. And in verse 33, the, the one I just finished with, faith is loving Jesus more than any other thing. Luke wants us to experience the grace of Jesus, but he wants us to know the commitment. And it's a pretty high commitment. It's a pretty high cost. And so Luke gives us this story of Jesus where the question is, are we willing to pay that, that cost? Do we have what it takes to build a life. And, and Jesus says, a, a builder of a tower, b before they even get started, will we'll sit down and say, do I have enough material? Do I have enough skill to build this tower? Do I have what I need to build this building? And in the same way, he's saying to us as builders of lives, we need to look down at our resources and materials and say, do I have in my possession what it takes to build a life? And that might lead us to some other questions. What kind of life do we want to build? How long do we want it to last? What are the goals we want to accomplish? How are we going to handle the jolts of life? How are we going to handle the failures that inevitably come? Are we going to have resiliency in our lives? Boy, we need that in our culture today. Are we going to have the kind of resiliency in our life that keeps us going, that helps us live life well? Are we going to have the moral character to build the life we want? And let me just pause for a moment and make a general statement. There are many careers, many lives, many marriages, many families that have failed due to the fact that we didn't exhibit the moral character we needed to succeed in life. It really is that simple. 
and we spend a lot of time convincing ourselves it's something else. Do we have the moral character needed to build our life? What kind of life are we building is the question that Jesus is trying to help us get to. Now, be careful. This isn't about our eternal destiny. This is about the character of our Christian lives. Christianity is a way of being, a way of living, a way of doing things differently because, as Paul liked to say, we are in Christ. We came to this table this morning and reminded ourselves that we are in Christ. But we've often, too often in our culture, have talked about our faith as just a way of thinking, just a way of believing. And and Dr. Roberts reminded us again last week that so much of our witness is not so much what we think and what we believe, it's what we do. It's how we live. It's how we treat others. Are we building the kind of life that reflects the values of the kingdom of God? And again, I'm I'm not talking about earning our salvation. I'm not talking about justifying ourselves by our works. Grace, salvation, right relationship with God, those are all gifts to us beyond our comprehension, beyond our ability to gain. But then what? And I think a lot of us have struggled with the next part of that. Okay, I I, I figured out Jesus, I'm a believer, then what? And Jesus is trying to help us understand that part of our lives. That's why this demanding passage has so much to offer us. Because this, in this part of the story, Jesus asked his disciples both then and now to sacrifice. He, he doesn't really ask, kind of demands, sets his expectation that we are going to sacrifice. And this is why he says you need to sit down and count the cost. Th- this might not be for you be- because the Christian life is demanding. It's expensive. It demands our commitment in terms of our time and our attention and our money. It's just not something we'll kind of fall into. And I know what we so often say, especially in church life in America. Ah, come on now. We live in a culture that doesn't like the idea of sacrifice And organizations that advocate for that kind of commitment, that kind of sacrifice, those organizations are all in decline. This is not a culture that does sacrifice. And I say, oh, really? That's a fairly naive thought. Let me take you through a tour of how our culture does sacrifice. Parents who give up nearly every weekend, money, and time for their kids' traveling sports teams and extracurricular activities. Career-minded folks who put in long hours in jobs that they don't love in order to secure some kind of financial future that they're committed to. 
spending hard-earned money to join a gym or to participate in a weight loss program to get healthier, sacrificing in order to make sure our kids are dressed well and, and have everything they need and every opportunity for the future. We are a culture. A million other ways I could illustrate that. We, we are a culture that is willing to sacrifice, and I'm not criticizing any of those choices, but we need to ask, why do we make those sacrifices and not others? And I believe it's because those things are important to us. We will always sacrifice according to our priorities. That, that's what we'll do. And Jesus is understanding that and saying to us in today's passage that the kingdom of God, the, the life he's inviting us to, is the priority of our lives. The, the abundant way, the abundant life and the way of discipleship that Jesus both announces and promises takes sacrifice. Again, not to earn God's grace, but to live in the discipleship and the life that that grace makes possible. And this call to discipleship implies that those who follow Jesus don't make decisions based on what's in it for me, how does this help the people closest to me, but we make decisions based on the kingdom of God. And we understand that the kingdom of God is always greater than what's happening to us. Now, our theme for this series is, is Jesus for everyone. And I got to acknowledge, I, I debated about whether this passage should come into our series because this doesn't feel like a Jesus for everyone kind of passage. As a matter of fact, Jesus is sharing these words because the text tells us that large crowds have been following Jesus. And it looks like Jesus almost goes into this teaching to kind of thin the crowd a little bit. Don't, don't want all these people just kind of hanging around. I, I want to know those that are committed, that are sacrificing, sacrificing, that are willing to follow. So Jesus wasn't into the crowds, but he was into the mission that God had called him to. And so he's inviting those early followers and he's inviting us to that same mission. Jesus said in Luke 9, 24, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. We might not spend enough time on those kinds of passages. Because the way we find life is by giving up control of our agenda, our hopes for our lives, our family, our church, our country, our world, whatever else. We give it up to the greater cause, the cause of the kingdom of God. Being not just a future reality, but being a reality right here in our lives. And I think a lot of us have looked at the cost of following Jesus. And we're not sure we want to pay that cost or we can pay that cost. 
And so we are the kind of folks who read verse 33 and we say things like, well, what Jesus really meant. Be really careful when you're around folks who have the but what Jesus really meant ability. Because every time that kind of gets uh, brought out, we're going to reduce the demands of Jesus on our lives. And we're going to make Jesus' call be whatever we want it to be. Kind of the opposite of what we were singing a little earlier. And a big part of Jesus being for everyone is that our lives as believers are reflecting the kingdom of God. That's the way he thought this thing was going to work in this world. Because he understood it's hard for anyone to see the kingdom of God if somebody's not reflecting it in front of them, if somebody's not sharing the story. And so Jesus would say, boy, the fields are just ripe for harvest. All kinds of people who want to find life that matters and brings meaning to their lives. But but I don't know that I've got enough workers, people who will reflect the kingdom of God to go out into that harvest field. And so we're not seeing the harvest because so many don't want to pay the price of following Jesus. Friends, a deluded faith is not an attractive faith. We need to remind ourselves of that. And so often we'll sit in our church huddles and we'll say, oh, people, people just don't want to come because they don't want to commit. They don't want to do this life of faith. And I don't think that's it at all. A deluded faith is not an attractive faith. And I think for too long they've seen a deluded faith. My guess is that all of us can look back over our lives And think about an opportunity that came to us, and it was a high-cost, high-commitment opportunity. I was talking to somebody this morning. They're they're going through that. It's a high-cost, high-commitment opportunity. And when you're in the midst of it, you're not real sure, but, but, but you dug in, and you paid the price. And now you're on the other side of that high cost, high commitment. And I know that that other side can play out a couple of different ways. Sometimes we say, man, I did all that. It didn't seem like anything came from it. I made a high commitment, high cost decision, but I didn't get anything from it. And the other side is, man, I'm so glad that high cost, high commitment opportunity has shaped my life. And it has shaped other lives because I, I dug in, I, I, I paid the price, I counted the cost, I did it. And I know that it's so much better in the Christian world if, if we can stand up here and say, man, I paid that price and it was worth it and I can see a one-to-one result. God has done what, what he was going to do, and, and we, I did this, and this happened, and, and I wish I could say that happened. But, but I can't look at what's happening in this world today. Faithful believers in Ukraine and Pakistan and Gaza and Israel, 
and say, boy, if you'll pay the cost, there'll be a direct one-to-one -one response, result. So sometimes we, we make a commitment, we pay a cost with the understanding that the kingdom of God is a story in a movement much bigger than ours. And so we might not experience the result that we felt like we were trying to get by paying the cost. The idea that we plant trees that will provide shade for someone else. But Jesus says you make a commitment to the kingdom of God because you're willing to pay the price. And I want to encourage us today, wherever we, we might be in that, in that equation, keep paying the price of discipleship. Keep following Christ in whatever season of life you're in. Keep being willing to make the commitment. And Jesus says whether we're committing to building a building or going to war, we need to think, do, do I have what it takes to finish this task? And here's the reality and here's the good news. No, you don't. We don't have what it takes to finish the task. Paul understood that. He wrote these words in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, oh, he will carry it on till the day of completion in Christ Jesus. I, I don't know when that day of completion will be. I just want to be faithful on that day. I want to know that I'm continuing to make the commitment, the sacrifice, to take up a cross and follow him. Billy Sunday was a great evangelist in the early 1900s. He was a former professional baseball player, and uh, if you've read the stories, he, he was quite an attraction. Um, but he once said, stopping at third base adds no more to the score than striking out. Stopping at third base adds no more to the score than striking out. It doesn't matter how well you start if you fail to finish. And most of us in this room and watching online, at some point we made a commitment to build our lives around Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. I, I know that that's in a part of all of our stories. It might be way back, it might be fresh, but it was part of our stories. We made a commitment and we want it to go all in. We, we count it the cost. And we want it to be identified as his disciple, as a reflection of the kingdom of God. And then things changed in life. Not necessarily bad things, just things changed. Life happened. Circumstances changed. And maybe something happened to us, and we thought, man, I did go all in, but you know what? Nothing worked out the way it was supposed to. God has not kept up his end of the bargain. I went all in. I counted the cost. I did everything I was supposed to do, and nothing worked out the way we wanted it to work. And so the building isn't built. We haven't gone to the battlefield. We've stopped at third base. And I want to invite us again to finish. 
to renew the commitment, not, not in our own strength, but I want to invite us again to take up a cross and follow him. Because if everyone is going to hear about Jesus, then some of us are going to have to reflect his kingdom more fully than we're currently reflecting it. And so I want to invite us back, take up our cross, renew that commitment to kind of forsake the things that have so easily distracted us and get back on the mission of the kingdom of God. Here's the wonderful hope of the gospel. Through Jesus Christ and his church, the body of Christ, with all of its challenges, through Jesus and his body, we can get back on track. We can recommit to building a life that matters and helping other people build their lives. So here are my closing questions today. Do we hold one another to a high enough standard as disciples of Christ? I was a little hesitant with this question because often where that goes is where it went in the first century. We're going to be legalist. And we're going to do a lot of defining of what's in and what's out and who's in and what's out. But I just want to know, are we holding each other? I said earlier, a lot of our lives, man, didn't get where we wanted them to go just because we didn't have the moral character to do what God's called us to do. And so every now and then, not red-faced and angry, but every now and then, we need to kind of say to each other, how's that working out for you? Because it seems like you've distanced yourself to the life that Jesus calls you to. My best moments in what I do as a career is to maybe help people understand that, that God has something way more for them than they ever dreamed. That their ability to impact this world is so much greater than they thought. But we then got to hold each other accountable to that. The to whom much is given, much is expected kind of thing. Do we hold one another to a high enough standard as disciples of Christ, or we just say, hey, you know, doing the best you can. I mean, what else could we expect? Need to get that back into our conversations. And then the second one, which is probably also not my best question, <laughs> but we'll go with it anyway. Do our sports teams, our other groups, put more demands on our lives and our time than our faith community? Again, I'm trying not to pick on a certain strata because I could have filled that up with any number of things. I was, I was thinking about a youth Bible study when I was doing this. But I absolutely believe the little bit I get to hang out with teenagers in a different environment than me just being a pastor in some ways that I, I volunteer in this community I think if I could actually get into the conversation with them, I think they would look at me and say, 
school demands so much more from me than, than you're even talking about. My, my coach, my uh, drama teacher, my music person, they expect so much more from me. And I think we've got to raise the level of commitment again. Because we've got to do something more than just say, how do these people get so off track with their identity when their identity's in Christ when we don't invite them to make a full commitment of their lives to Jesus Christ? So what does that look like in your world? Whatever your sports team is, whatever your other group is, are they asking more from you? Are you giving more to them than you're giving to the kingdom of God? Verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for inviting us not to nominal life, not to just average life, but life that fully reflects who you are in the kingdom of God. Forgive us when we, when we have reduced that to nothingness and invite us back to those commitments of our lives and of our faith and of our families to you. Lord, thank you for times of renewal, times of refreshing, where we can reorient our lives back to you. Thank you for inviting us to count the cost and follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. You want to talk a little bit more about the cost you are paying or the cost you want to pay to follow Christ, I'd be glad to have that conversation. We're going to stand together now and sing, I surrender all. Let those words kind of keep working on you as we think about our commitment to Christ.
may be seated. Let me share some announcements with us. First of all, the flowers today are given by the Armstrong family in loving memory of Dr. Thomas Armstrong, his wife Lucille, and their son, Dr. Louis Parr Armstrong. And I know many of you remember that family and how meaningful and uh, much a part of our church they were. Right after this service, or at 5 o'clock today, you can go downstairs. We're going to do the Stronger Memory Program. I hope a couple of you all or several of you all will take advantage of this, uh, an opportunity to think about ways we can provide more services to senior adults in our community. So a brief info session today at 10 o'clock downstairs in the multipurpose room, or you can come back at 5 o'clock if that fits your schedule better, and I hope you'll join us. This Wednesday, we're doing a Valentine's Day uh, dinner and some fun of all ages. So we usually do something for everybody every first and third Wednesday. We're adding a Wednesday this month uh, on February 14th. We've got a taco bar, so that's going to be great. And then we're going to spread out into a bunch of different uh, groups and then come back together in here for about five or ten minutes of some fun music for Valentine's Day. So if you're coming to dinner, let us know by uh, signing up on the website or through the church office so we can have enough taco bar for you. Friday, we've got Acoustic Cafe. Gary is going to come and share with us. It's a big one again. Good morning. Um, before I even tell you about Friday night, thank you so much. Okay, anyway, this will be a big one. Uh, fortunately, since we had to cancel last month because of the, the weather, um, Ronnie Williams and the Carter Family Sound will be featured this Friday night. Um, those of you that are, are music history buffs know the Carter family uh, played a major role in country music many, many years ago. And um, Ronnie has played with them and has been good friends with them over the years. Uh, so uh, he will be featured. Beckley and Shepard, who are a, a local duo, singer-songwriters, Americano, more contemporary stuff, things that you might be familiar with. And then young Claire Hardwell, representing the, um, the young folks of this community, will be opening the evening. Um, so a great opportunity con to connect with the community. Uh, we had 140 here last time Roddy played, so um, bring some extra biscuits. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. And uh, Acoustic Cafe happens downstairs in Courtyard Commons, unless so many people show up, we have to move it up here. But plan to be with us Friday night. And then Saturday morning is our monthly men's breakfast downstairs in the Fellowship Hall. I encourage you to come out. And again, if you can let us know that you're coming, that always helps. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, continue to pay attention to our e-news, our website, our social media. We have a big uh, photo banner wall in the back at some point this year. We want all of your pictures, you and your family, with that backdrop. So uh, we're going to do an, an annual for our 250th anniversary. So if you want to be counted among us, uh, we need your picture at some, this, some point this year. So you can spend some time after the service doing that. Thanks for being here together. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you for all the ways we experience your love and your goodness for all the opportunities you will give us this week to reflect your kingdom. Lord, help us to be on mission. Help us to see the world as you see it. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.